0: Welcome to On The Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On The Dot interview series, where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On The Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, I'm sitting down with Rhonda Finney, founder of the organization Speak Love. Without further ado, let's start the show. Welcome everyone to this episode of On The Spot. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey. And as always, I'm thrilled to be with you today, bringing you another incredible role model. And we are going to hear a great story about Rhonda Finney. Welcome, Rhonda. Super excited to have you here. Rhonda is actually the founder of Speak Love, which is shared parenting, encouraging advocacy for kids. And she's got a really, really incredible story and organization that she founded. But before we do that, Rhonda, I would love to kind of jump way back and first, you know, welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then I just want to kind of think back to when you were growing up and in school and what was your big dream? What did you think you were going to be doing?
1: Well, you know, going back then, I wasn't quite sure. I was fortunate to get to travel in Europe when I was 15 and I fell in love with Europe. So I actually kept going back to Europe between the ages of fifteen and twenty five. And I always envisioned myself working for an international company that would allow me to travel. I didn't know what that would consist of. I just knew that I wanted to travel and experience new cultures. What kind of career
0: path did you think that you were beyond? What were you really interested in?
1: Well I ended up going into education. I, I guess that seemed suitable for me at the time, but I didn't have a strong passion in it. It just kind of evolved that way. Mm -hmm. But I guess maybe linguistics. I went into linguistics and then just found myself when I was overseas, I started a career in teaching. So that's how that
0: evolved. Awesome. What I'd love for you just to kind of now talk about is your organization, Speak Love, because I know that is passion, something that you founded. Mm -hmm. And talk to us about just what the organization is, what your mission is, and what you all do for people.
1: Okay. Well, I have evolved Speak Love. It started out as an Austin meetup group, and I have evolved it into a 5013. We provide education regarding the systemic problems in family law. It's also a support network for families in crises, and um, we do community outreach efforts to raise awareness of what's happening in family law and hopefully reduce the impact of the hardships created from an adversarial
0: process. And you know, when you're talking about that, give us some more specific examples about you know, what kind of, of adversarial processes are people going through with their kids, obviously.
1: Well, I guess the first thing to explain is there are two approaches to family law. You have a collaborative approach, and typically those cases never really reach the courtroom except to get a judge's signature on an agreed order. Then you have the competitive approach, which becomes an adversarial approach. And when I say competitive, that means there's going to be a distinctive winner and a distinctive loser. And so part of my advocacy efforts is to raise awareness of how the adversarial process is not in the best interest of the children, Um, to have the two parents kind of fighting. And sometimes these situations are heightened through the process when the attorneys stifle communication between the two parties. And that can be very detrimental to a family, in particular to the children involved. They're put in between, and even though they're not supposed to be, especially with protracted cases, how can they not be affected? So it's really important to kind of raise the awareness of truly what's going on and to educate people so that they participate in the solution rather than the problem.
0: And what drove you to found this organization?
1: Well, unfortunately, I had a personal experience. My divorce was seemingly amicable, but down the road, my ex-husband entered a new relationship. He remarried the individual. And they ended up suing me for custody. It was within one week of my spousal support ending. I was awarded three years of spousal support. I believe, you know, a lot of it stems from communication issues that led to the divorce in the first place. But a lot of people bring their childhood trauma and baggage into a relationship. And if those things go unresolved, it can lead to an an adversarial family law litigation. That's kind of what happened to me. And I was just dumbfounded. There's little to no help out there for people going through these things. A lot of it has to do with the perception of the people. And I was rendered almost destitute. And it just amazes me that that can happen to people. And I'm not alone. When I start speaking out and connecting with others who were going through a protracted family law litigation, I realized the need for there to be a really good community out there to help be a safety net for those parents who are getting financially exhausted and absolutely traumatized through the process.
0: And do you find that women are more susceptible to being in this place? Is this a normal thing where an agreement is set and then down the road this happens or is this often from the outset or can it happen in both situations?
1: Well, you know, in my advocacy efforts, I really try not to get gender specific because that can be part of the problem in creating change. But in my research, I do believe that women are more adversely affected because women still do not earn as much money in the workplace as men typically do. We're considered an underutilized demographic. And for the women who chose to not develop a career or not start their career, before they got married or during while they were married, it does have tremendous adverse effects on them. That was part of my experience too. I didn't develop a career while I was married. I went into teaching, but I left that career early on in my marriage. And when my ex-husband sued me for custody, I wasn't working at the time. And that really had a detriment on me. It's very hard to reenter the workforce. So I do think that women have an disadvantage in these situations and they are impacted. It's really important to raise this awareness so that there can be more support created.
0: And how did you feel starting an organization like this? I mean, I think that you often see, you know, founders who have had this personal experience that, you know, want to do something for others. So how has it been for you in terms of just your healing process, being able to funnel your energy into helping others?
1: You know, that's a really good question. First of all, people and situations are dynamic and they're capable of change. I always like to raise that awareness. For my personal healing, it seems like the farther away I get from my own act of litigation, the more I see things on a societal level. You know, in the beginning, when I was advocating for change within my own litigation, it was very focused on the dynamic between my ex-husband and me. And then as time went on, I really started to realize how the attorney's involved and all the professionals involved kind of failed appropriately intervening and then now i see it as a societal issue well there's a lack of accountability and i think we hear that a lot in the news today there's deliberate indifference the other thing too is there's a lot of special interests you know we have powerful lobbyists who are affecting the decision making in our country and i think there's just a breakdown in community Anymore, And I don't know if it's because of the economical times or two working parents who are stretched thin. The root of all this kind of exhaustion of the American people, but there needs to be more community involvement that can um, lead to proactivity and involvement in the decision making in our communities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly pervasive not only in what you're dealing with, but you know, so many other issues that the country's, you know, facing right now. So, yes, I agree with that. So let's talk a little bit about kind of getting back into a career path, because your current career, you are in change management, which I love that. I want to know more about change management, because I think it's interesting, because it's sort of what you're trying to do with your organization. So how much did what you went through, you know, with your battle, but also forming your 501c3, how much of that inform sort of your next career move about getting into organizations and really creating plans that embrace everyone, encompass and solve problems?
1: Well, I think it was more of a serendipitous sort of encounter. They both have had an influence on each other, though one didn't necessarily cause the other. I think I'm just a change manager at heart. I've always been very involved in my communities, even at a very young age. So that's just kind of an innate part of my personality. As far as Going back to university to pursue this master's degree in organization development, I guess some of that happened to be situational. Because I was going through what I was with the family law litigation, I had to very quickly decide what I was going to pursue. I knew I wanted a higher degree, and that would be an excellent kind of launch back into the workforce. And I just happened to meet someone at the time who was an OD practitioner, an organizational development practitioner. And, you know, I was very... Leery. So, I guess a really important message to people listening to this is you know, they say you're never too old to start a new career. And I earned my master's degree a couple of years ago. It was in 2016, and I'm 47 now. So, I was really leery about doing that, but it's probably one of the best decisions I've made. I'm able to talk about things on a systemic level, which is very important, not only for family law reform, but for problems or issues can ripple out and affect organizations at a whole to society as a whole. So
0: I don't know if I quite answered your question with that. Because obviously On the Dot is is all about empowering women, you know, through these stories. Now that you're within an organization and when you're doing these sort of developmental plans, I mean, work that women are facing a lot of issues in the workplace. And you mentioned one, you know, inequality Mm -hmm. of pay. You know, and you know, helping women get to those upper ranks. Within companies, are you seeing that companies within their change management or their organizational development plans are really putting a lens on and looking at, okay, how do we make sure that our women are really part of this plan?
1: That's a question I wasn't quite prepared for. I will say that overall, that corporations are finally getting it to look at people, you know, to put the importance of people over processes. So that's really important in creating positive change, that it's the people who are going to create the culture of the company and the culture of the company is really going to determine its success. Employees are also major stakeholders, in the company they invest in maybe the stock their performance i mean people have such great importance to the success of a company as far as women in general you know honestly i i think that's an area of an improvement i think that really women need to look at lifting one another up more than being a competition so i think that there is room in our society to really put a more conscious effort in being supportive of one another
0: Well, it sounds like it goes back to sort of your core premise at Speak Love about collaboration versus competition. The outcomes for the stakeholders, whether it be the children or whether it be the company or whether it be just your own personal happiness, friendships, whatever that may be. It's pretty obvious collaboration wins out every time, you know, and it's important to do that. So what's the best piece of advice that you give to not only just to women, but I guess just to to people that kind of come into your organization, you know, how to stand up for themselves and for their children, you know, when they come in, what's that sort of that go-to piece of advice when they come to you?
1: Well, to not lose integrity. I think that unhealthy situations are very provocative situations, and sometimes it's deliberate where they want to evoke a negative reaction, kind of shake you from your ground. So my advice would be to, first of all, know that you're not alone, that there are other people experiencing these things. And it doesn't just have to be in family law. There could be a lot of social injustices. You're not alone in that. And to just really stay grounded, to find your community, to advocate for change, to speak out. I think one of the biggest problems that people face is the fear of retaliation. But when you don't speak out, then there's no opportunity for change. So be well-grounded and speak from the heart that sometimes change is a lengthy process. It may not happen overnight, but as long as you are persistent, then it can happen.
0: Sounds like good advice for life as well. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) For sure. Okay. So as we kind of close up here, I'd love to get into our speed round that we do just to find out a little (laughs) bit more about you and your day-to-day life. So first of all, what does your morning routine look like?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, of course, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, you know, I'm changing it up. This morning I got up and I went on a walk around the neighborhood with my dog before dawn, had my cup of coffee, did an 11-minute meditation. Ideally, that's how I start my morning. That doesn't always happen.
0: That sounds good. Mm-hmm. What are you currently reading or listening to?
1: Oh, that is an area of improvement. I am still working on finishing my project management certification, my PMP certification. So, I love NPR, though. I'm a huge NPR fan.
0: Yes. Oh, I am, too. I love it, too. Who's your role model?
1: Um, well, I don't necessarily have one role model. I would like to give a shout out to Keely Phelps, who inspired me to go back to university to pursue my master's degree. She went back to become a physician's assistant at the age of 50. And in order to do that, she had to do three years of full-time core studies and then two years to become a physician's assistant. So that's five years of hard academic work. So kudos to Keeley. (laughs) She's an inspiration.
0: Yes, she does sound like an inspiration. That's awesome. What's one thing you can't live without?
1: Family. You know, never underestimate the importance of family and community.
0: And what's one piece of advice you would give to your 10-year-ago self?
1: To develop a career. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And I think that was a huge setback for me that I didn't develop my career early on. I'm very excited about the career that I have now created, but, you know, I think that I would have had a lot more personal and professional development had I done this earlier on.
0: Thank you so much, Rhonda. We really appreciate your candor and everything that you're doing. And is there a specific place where people can find out more about Speak Love? I know your website is under construction. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Well, you can always email me. And my email address is love at gmail.com. So that's all one word, A-T-X, speak love at gmail.com. When I have the website up, it will be speaklove.org.
0: Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you again for sharing and, and sharing your story and your path. And also thank you for the work that you do just to really help support. I know so many individuals who are going through these terrible custody battles. So we sure appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, good luck to you and everything. And we'll keep watching everything that you and Speak Love are doing. Thank you. For more female empowerment, inspiration and advice, subscribe to our free daily newsletter and audio brief four minutes with on the dot. Let us know your thoughts or what you want to hear next from at on the dot woman on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We're here to help you become the best boss babe you are meant to be.